Hello there, friends, and welcome back for another episode of As For The Rest Of Us. This week is a little bit of a plot twist, and the reason for that is because I have invited someone else on this week to interview me. To kick us off as a part of this quitting series around saying no to resilience for the sake of just being resilient or for the sake of appearing successful, I decided that maybe it was time to share a little bit of my story. Who am I, this host of yours behind this podcast? And so I invited a very trusted friend of mine who can ask questions along with the best of them, Stephanie Ganser. Ganser and I first met through a mutual friend, Adrian, while I was working at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and she quickly became a very trusted confidant and very dear friend. As you will see through today's episode, she is empathetic, she is tender, but she's hard-hitting with her questions. She will get you to self-reflect while being your biggest cheerleader and pushing you to go a layer deeper. I hope you enjoy our episode today as we kick off this new series and enjoy getting to hear me answer the questions this week instead of being the one to ask them. Now, I'm so excited we get to chat this evening um, and learn a little bit more about you and the work that you do and have our listeners learn a little bit more about you. Yes. Uh, but my first question, because I know you've asked other people this, and we haven't really brought it back recently, is what is your most favorite Amazon purchase recently? Ooh. Okay, I'm just going to go with my most recent, because that's what really is top of mind for me, which is that, you know, I am a preparer, an over-preparer, in fact. And so I have ordered my first subscription of Athletic Greens, which is like a powder that you mix into water. And so to prepare for that, I prepare for the arrival of that, I ordered a little frother so that I can fully mix the athletic greens into the waters. So I am a highly practical Amazon purchaser, and that is my most recent Amazon purchase. I love that. I hope it tastes good. I've heard that it tastes like you would expect a green to taste, but not terrible. So I take that to mean it has a little bit of an earthy feel, you know, taste to it, but it doesn't taste like dirt is what I'm taking that to mean. I was going to say, like elevated dirt? Yes. I'm thinking doesn't taste as bad as dirt, but isn't going to be like Kool-Aid. As you might know, I love plants. And I went to a plant class maybe a month ago at a brewery. Uh, to learn more about like indoor plants. Of course you did. Um, and the person, right, because I wanted to learn and not just be killing all the mm-hmm. plants in my office. Um, but the person doing the, I guess, talk recommended this fertilizer for indoor oh. plants. So I bought it off Amazon. Um, and it's really worked. Like my Monstera has kicked off a few new leaves and it's called Jack's All Purpose um, like Plant. Okay. Plant fertilizer um, but I will send you all right folks check the show notes for the link if you're interested you know I have a list of questions but we will see See where we go this is such an interesting flip like I'm I am I'm anxious over here waiting to see what the questions are going to be right I think I'm pretty good at questions I've known you for a long time so I think it will be great um but people hear you every week on this podcast. Uh, many people you've met in person, but many some strangers, and have really gotten to know you and your story. But who is the real Katie? Ooh, who is the real Katie? 
the real Katie is an introvert, which is to say that being around people for an extended period of time is draining of energy to me, but I love people. And so it's this constant dance that I find myself doing, but I am an aunt of the best three kiddos in the world, my two nephews and my niece. I work in corporate America. I work in recruiting. I am a Christian. My faith is really important to me. Family in general is really important to me. Grew up going to my grandparents' house every Sunday night for dinner. So family is just a value that's been instilled in me my whole life. And I'm a beach and mountain lover. I would say I equally love both. And I'm an avid reader. I love to read both fiction and nonfiction. So I would say that's me in a nutshell. Like I, if you're finding me with a pocket of free time, I'm probably doing one of those things, either hanging out with friends, talking on FaceTime to a niece or nephew, reading a book, something like that. Yeah. I think that as someone who knows you for a long time, I think that's very accurate. So (laughs) thank you for that intro. Um, you probably know that you have done 18 episodes. In your I know. Um, I know. So why was now the time to share your story and introduce yourself? In this well, first of all, I feel like more people lately have asked me if I'm planning to do that at any point. So I think that's part of it is that I – maybe it's as they're starting to share it with more people or more people who I don't know personally are starting to listen it's a question that has come up of, well, when are you actually going to talk about yourself on an episode? And I also think part of it is that the show isn't really about me. And so to start off right away with an episode talking purely about myself, like there have been a few episodes where it's been me talking, but I'm trying to introduce a concept or a way of thinking or a practice. But to purely just have an episode where I answer questions about myself kind of felt... (laughs) anti the purpose of the show. Um, And I think also a third reason would probably be the series that we're doing right now is really resonating with me. I feel like it's been a big part of my story of learning how to quit and say no to things. Um, And as a practice, I am continually trying to practice. So it felt like a fitting theme in which to talk about myself. I'm glad you brought that up because this uh, episode is the first in a series mm-hmm. about saying no to resilience and saying yes to quitting. Yes. So what has been your journey to resilience versus quitting? Mm. Yeah, I I would say I've been until probably the last 10 years, but really the last couple of years, I would say I've been a lifelong like stick in it for the sake of sticking in it. Like to be anything less than resilient is to be weak or is to get like the negative connotation around the word quitting. I would say I associated and still struggle to associate a lot with quitting equals bad or quitting equals wrong. And so in the past decade or so, I've tried to undo some of that thought pattern, tried to embrace that there is a time when quitting is actually not only the right choice, but the better choice. And so the way that has shown up for me 
most often in the last 10 years has been my career, choices around my career. And I'll, you know, I can get more into that. But I even think I've I've tried to weave it in in smaller ways, even thinking about, you know, a couple of years ago, I decided to stop trying to straighten my hair and just like quit putting heat on my hair and just embrace the wavy, frizzy mop of hair that I have on my head and to quit trying to fit into what I thought the standard of beauty was. Um so it's shown up in little ways, which aren't really so little. They've, they've felt significant, um, but also really big changes like saying no to a career choice that I had in many ways committed myself to. And then for lots of reasons, whether not good for my emotional health, not good for my physical health, not good for my financial well-being and health, um, not good for my social well-being made choices to, at times shocking to others, make drastic career changes. Growing up, can you kind of touch upon um, what the messages that were kind of shared to you about what quitting meant? Mm. Or are you allowed to quit? I don't know that I was ever given a direct message of you're not allowed to quit. I don't know that – I don't think, I don't believe that that was the environment. I think it was more so my very type A, hard-driving, high-achieving personality that sort of self-imposed that. And maybe even, you know, no like direct comments or phrases in my family are coming to mind. But even if there was something that had been said – and it, there was no intention behind delivering the message, you can't quit, because of my personality, I probably would have received it that way to say, well, I can't quit. That's bad. So I don't really remember. The only thing that's coming to mind is specifically around education. Um, neither of my parents graduated with their college degree. They both went to college but dropped out, and so neither of them graduated with their college degree. And so the one – the only thing that I can think would fall in this category that I remember clearly is them telling my siblings and I that college was not an option. Like, you will go to college, you will graduate, you will get a college degree. I mean, obviously, I went into education, so clearly I was a firm believer in that as well and and understood because of their lives why that was a value of theirs and why that wasn't optional for us and that they were going to, you know, financially support us through getting through college. So I think I always grew up knowing that wasn't an option. Like you couldn't quit your education. But outside of that, it probably was mostly self-imposed. I don't think I knew that you were a first-generation college student. Well, what's interesting is that two of my grandparents have college degrees. So there's there's not really a term for that. Um, At one point, someone called me a first-again generation which is to say that I'm not the first generation, but in many ways it is a similar experience to the first generation, being a first generation college student, because your obviously direct household, your direct parents didn't have that full collegiate experience. And so at some point someone referred to me as a first again generation student. And so I kind of latched on to that term, but 
So how do you know when it's time to quit? Ooh, that's a big question. Or do you have any personal, yeah, expectations or stories? Or- yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if I think back to the two major career changes that I've made. So the first was leaving higher education to go work at a small nonprofit. And then the second was leaving the small nonprofit to go work in recruiting in the corporate world. When I think about both of those decisions to quote unquote quit or to not, you know, remain resilient for the sake of remaining resilient. You know, when I was in higher ed, I knew it was time to quit because I didn't think I was educating anyone anymore. I just thought I was a glorified babysitter or I was just constantly dealing with crisis situations and I didn't become a crisis counselor for a reason and I'm way too much of an empath to be dealing with that much crisis. Uh, So it was emotionally draining, extremely emotionally draining on me. So I think in that circumstance, it was, I knew it was time to quit because it was emotionally exhausting, which was then impacting so many other areas of my life. I put on quite a bit of weight. I wasn't sleeping. I was sick all the time. And also part of that was because, you know, the reason I had gotten a master's degree that I had gotten and spent the six years of my career dedicated to what I was dedicated to is because I was passionate about education. And I found myself in a space of not feeling like I was educating anyone about anything. So I knew it was time to quit because I wasn't doing what I had gotten into it to do. And it was negatively impacting my health in many ways. When I left the nonprofit to go to the corporate world, you know, I just found myself in a place where I had needs, whether it be need for free time to be more social, whether it be need for, you know, certain financial needs in order to be able to pay medical bills based on all the medical stuff I was going through at the time. I just had needs that couldn't be met in that role and and really in a such a small startup nonprofit anywhere it wasn't just that nonprofit i think in both instances i knew it was time to quit this is going to sound so non specific but because it didn't feel right anymore i'm such a values driven person you know if you're into strengths finder belief is my number 3 strength, which is to say that I have a core set of values and beliefs and my life is truly driven by them. And so when I find myself rubbing up against what it is I believe in, whether for my own self or, you know, as is the case for the world of education, up against the systematic set of values and beliefs, I really struggle to to stay in it if I feel like my values or my beliefs are being rubbed up against. So I think that's how I know when it's time to quit. doesn't mean it's easy. (laughs) It doesn't mean I make the decision right away. I am really good at prolonging that decision. But eventually I kind of have to face the music to say, this is what it is. And you can either continue to pretend like you don't know it's time to leave and quit, or you can just continue to be frustrated in this situation because your values feel in conflict. I've always been impressed with kind of your job trajectory because you've always made big moves 
when I think about where you went to grad school and then your first job and then your second job, you moved states. Mm -hmm. And then when you shifted to the nonprofit, you moved states. Um, So that can be really scary to leave your community and what you know Mm -hmm. um, to really go into the unknown. Yeah. Um, So can you share a little bit about maybe that transition of being the new person and what it looks like to possibly even, I've heard some people say starting. Oh, it very much so feels like starting over. Um, In the literal sense of I no longer have a primary care physician, so I need a new set of doctors or a new dentist. I need a new driver's license, right? So there's the literal starting over. And then there's the what's my grocery shopping routine and who do I get coffee with on Saturday mornings and where is the coffee shop and which one am I going to like? So there's all of that. And then there's the sense of community and rebuilding that and feeling like you're starting over, which I think is hard for everyone. It was, especially the social piece was probably the most challenging for me as an introvert, again, because that's so draining to me to exert that kind of energy with people. But I will say the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So, you know, I've done it five or six times now, if you include studying abroad in college, that I have found at least that that repeated, that the process can be replicable um, of how you go about finding your people and how you decide which Kroger is going to be your Kroger. There's that sense of starting over. And in some regards, you know, there's a part of me, which when I have lived here in Texas for going on seven years this summer, it's the longest I've lived anywhere, except for the town I grew up in, which I lived in for 18 years until I went away to college. But other than that, I've lived anywhere else maximum three years. So I've lived here twice as long as any other place. And you know, there's a part of my personality, which I haven't really crack down on, but there's a part of my personality where when I come to this place of rub, like between my values or a situation doesn't feel right or a job doesn't feel right, it actually relieves that to just totally leave the situation. So move states, leave the job, leave the friendships, leave like wherever that rub is. And so what actually has been harder is this is when I changed job two years ago. It is the very first time that I have changed jobs and not moved states. And it was a totally different, harder experience to stay in the same community, stay in the same space, and make this difficult decision to quit something and to stick around long enough for people to ask their questions and to look at you like you're crazy and to have their opinion about whether or not you did the right or wrong thing or to feel offended by the decision that you made. And so honestly, Gans, I think that has been harder, has been to to quit something, to leave something, but not move away. And I actually think I've grown so much more As a person, as an emotional, like emotional intelligence, I think I've grown so much more from having to make that hard decision to quit something, but then really kind of having to sit in the decision instead of just picking up and moving my life hundreds of miles away and really kind of getting to start totally over. Whereas this time I quit something and stayed where everyone knew what I had just done. 
I think a lot of people can resonate with that when they change jobs into um, a different part of their company mm-hmm. or even across town. It's like you get to sit with your decision, but then everyone else is yeah. there. Or even thinking about, you know, like ending a romantic relationship or ending a friendship and staying in the same town where that friendship group is. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's it's applicable to so much more than just, you know, changing career fields. I think it's applicable to to a lot more beyond that. I can imagine how challenging it was, like you said, to have those conversations with people after the fact. Because when you move, because I've done mm-hmm. it as well, I've moved states or even and frankly cut people mm-hmm. off and be like, look, I did it. I can start mm-hmm. fresh and do all the new things um, for good or for yeah. bad. Um, but with this, you ha- constantly work on those mm-hmm. friendships and relationships. Yeah. Since you've been yeah, it's been very different. It's been, uh, you know, when you pick up your life and move away, the people know as much or as little as you tell them. Whereas here it was like, oh, no. They all know everything and you're still here and um, people are going to have questions because they know everything. And so, again, I think some of that emotional intelligence and honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, like resilience in a different way, right? Like I wasn't quote unquote resilient because I left the job and chose something else, you know, quit and left to do something else. But I actually grew a different type of resilience as a result of not picking up my life and moving away, which I could have because, again, I changed career fields. And people were like, oh, does that mean you're going to take this as your chance to move? And I was like, no, I'm going through enough change. Like, I can't change cities too. Not at the time realizing what that was <laughs> going to mean to change jobs and not move cities and how hard that would be. But, yeah, I definitely grew a lot as a result and in a different way than I had any other time I'd made that type of choice. I know friends and family are really important to you. You touched upon that in your first mm-hmm. answer. Um, so was everyone in your life supportive of your decision to quit? Mm-hmm. Um, and how did that impact your decision? Mm-hmm. Luckily, this past time was not my first time doing it. So I think people were more supportive this time than they were the first time I said I was going to change career fields. No, not everyone is supportive. It, they're just not. And, you know, I mentioned people are going to have opinions. And part of those opinions are some people are on board with what you did and some people aren't. And some people think you did the wrong thing and some people think you should have done it differently. Um, And I, you know, I I am humble enough to know, of course, there are ways I could have done it differently. There's always ways we could have done something differently, but it doesn't make the choice itself wrong or bad. And so no... Not everyone thought it was a great idea. Not everybody was on board with it. But I, several years ago, read a book by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's called Big Magic. And in it, there's a very small chapter. I think it's maybe five or six pages. And in it, she talks about the concept of permission slips. And she talks about the fact that a lot of us, specifically women, go through life getting seeking permission slips from other people for decisions we want to make in our lives. But in reality, we're grown adults. And so what she says in the book is you get to write your own permission slips. Like this isn't, you're not in kindergarten. You're not in third grade anymore. You don't need to go home and get mom or dad to sign a permission slip to say you can do something. You get 
to write your own permission slips. And even if not a single person is on board with the decision, at the end of the day, you still get to write and sign the permission slip. And so that is a concept I have really struggled with. I very much so like to get the opinions of other people. I very much so want to be a good girl and do what people want me to do and be a people pleaser and all of that. But I think particularly with the second time I made, so this most recent experience of changing career fields, I really tried to lean in on that permission slip concept to say, this isn't anyone else's life. No one else is getting the medical bills in the mail that you're getting. Your name is on those bills, so you need to pay them. And no one else is, you know, 34 and trying to build a social life and wanting to go on dates. Like, that's you. You're the one with not enough free time to do that kind of stuff because you are an introvert. And so by the time you have free time, you're so daggone exhausted that the last thing you want to do is go on a date. And so I really tried to lean into that concept of this is your life. People can agree with it. They can disagree with it. But at the end of the day, you're the one living this life. And so every day you choose not to quit is a day you're choosing against your own happiness, ultimately. Every day you choose to stay in the situation knowing it's not giving you what you need in your life is a day that you are choosing being the good girl over what you really need. And so no, not everyone agreed. Yes, it's really hard for me to have people who don't agree with the decision that I made. But what I continue to remind myself is you're a 36-year-old grown adult who pays her own bills. And so you also get to write your own permission slips for the choices that you make. And I will say the people who are most important to me, the ones whose opinions really matter the most, were on board I mean, of course, I think my parents had concerns like, what does this mean? And are you going to be able to find another job? But that's their job is to be my parents. And even if I am 36 years old, to be worried about if I'm going to be okay and am I going to pay my bills and all those sorts of things. But I think once the security of another job was there, I think they too were very much so on board with the choice that I made because it's what was going to lead to a better, happier life for me over-researched, over-prepared people I've met. So I know if you bring something to the table to say, hey, this is what I'm considering, I also feel like you're not asking permission because you have already done so much of work to really reflect on it. Um, so it's almost just about sharing. Ooh, that's exciting. When you were talking, it really reminded me of one of our most favorite people, Brigham. Um, and it's from one of her books. I know you've probably read all of but it reminds me of when she talks about it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how strong the man stumbles or where the door of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the room. So that's what I think about when you think about writing your own permission mm -hmm. slip. Like you're the one with your life making the choices. Mm -hmm. So we don't really need to lean on other people who aren't in the mm -hmm. arena, who aren't living the day-to-day -day of what's going mm -hmm. on making what has surprised you about this most recent quitting mm -hmm. that you were maybe pleasantly surprised about? Like I knew, like you knew you were going to mm -hmm. quit or move to something else. So what have been some things that have been really positive as a result of So when I quit my job this past time, 
and I knew I wasn't moving cities, so I didn't need to worry about the stress of that. It was the first time in my life where I was really intentional about the job I was searching for. And while I was mildly stressed (laughs) about not getting a job and therefore how am I going to pay my bills, even though my therapist consistently reminded me that Starbucks offers their part-time employees health benefits. And so if all else failed, I could become a barista until I found a job I really wanted to. There are many reasons I pay for therapy. That is an example of one of them. But what has surprised me is because of how intentional I was about really thinking about what kind of job I wanted and ultimately answering two questions. What am I good at? And in the span of my career, so the last 15 years, what, not necessarily like job responsibilities, it could be a single project I worked on, it could be a single conversation I had, but what things that I genuinely enjoy doing to the point that if it could have been my full-time job, I would have never stopped working. Like I just couldn't get enough of it. Because I was so intentional and purposeful around only applying for jobs that I thought was going to let me do those two things, things I was good at and things I genuinely really enjoyed, I have been so surprised at how much I love my job. I love it. I love it for a lot of reasons. But I, most days, leave work like not wanting to peel away. Like even today, I was creating a pivot table for something. And I'm just so, one, I'm a total nerd. So pivot tables are like my love language. But I just was so intrigued by finding the answer I was looking for and the data set I was working with to then be able to go back to my team and coach and manage and develop them based on what I found that I didn't want to stop. And that hasn't always been the case in my career. And at first I thought, oh, it's just because it's new. But I've been in the role almost a year and a half now. And I almost find myself getting more excited every day by the work that I do. And so I think that's been the most surprising thing because I think when I left my last job, I knew I was going to be in a job that could offer me different things financially or benefits-wise and work schedule-wise. Like I knew it was going to – I was only going to take a job that was going to allow me to to meet those needs that I had. And I was worried that I might sacrifice joy because I did – I believe – I not only believed, I still believe in the mission of the work of the nonprofit I was working for. And I was passionate about the work I was doing with young people. It just was the other things that weren't working for me. And so I was afraid that I was leaving the passion and the joy and the feeling of purpose for the security and the flexibility and the nine to five schedule. And so what I've been pleasantly surprised by is that because I know myself as well as I do and because I was as purposeful as I was in the jobs I was searching for, I actually have both. That's great. I think defining success for yourself is so important in your personal and professional Mm -hmm. life. That's really great. 
Well, thanks, Gans. It was so fun to get to answer the questions for once. And you're so good at this. Not shocking to anyone. And when we were together most recently, there was a little nugget dropped about Ganser starting a podcast as well. So if I can talk her into it, stay tuned, people. <laughs>